Hey there, welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Alenia Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Today we continue Philippians 3. Paul was one of the most notorious Pharisees that persecuted the early church, even agreeing to the death of Stephen. But in a posture of humility, Paul encourages the church in Philippi to forget what is in the past and focus on the goal of Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning to you. A couple things before I get started. Um, if you would pray about um, sponsoring some of our students, we have some students that want to go to camp and need some financial assistance. Um, and you can do that by going to alineachurch.org uh, forward slash give. And we have a new fund there that says students or student camp. I can't remember what I named it, but it'll be self-explanatory. And so um, you can go there and give so that, um, so that some students can make it to student camp, which we've got so many students already signed up for that. Uh, and if you, are, um, if you are a guy and you're looking for somewhere to serve, we need some more male leaders because we have an army of uh, teenage boys, Lord help us. <laughs> Not that we don't like the teenage girls, but they they are poorly outnumbered uh, from the guys. So you can pray for the girls too, because they they probably need all the help they can get. Uh, also, we have a, an outreach opportunity that's coming up uh, on social media uh, this week. Uh, we'll be posting a list of some things that we're going to be collecting. Uh, we're going to be combining backpacks uh, for the homeless population here in Murfreesboro. And so we'll be uh, stuffing some backpacks, which is always fun. And we, we just leave them and they disappear. It's like they know they're coming and they grab them. And, and we have uh, uh, some things in there that you can bring over the next couple Sundays. And we'll be handing those out. Um, and then also, I wanted to just uh, keep in front of you uh, volunteering. Uh, two things. Volunteering, keep in front of you uh, that um, as uh, Kendall said, we have Pathway is coming up. Uh, what did I tell you? Tenth. Thank you so much. On April tenth, uh, which is Palm Sunday. Yeah, Easter's coming around the corner, uh, so be inviting uh, your friends, your family for that. Be talking about that. We're going to uh, be giving you an invite tool uh, next week, uh, so be looking forward to that. But back to volunteering. Uh, we always have places for you to serve. Uh, we have uh, set up and tear down. We're building a team for that. And then Alinea Kids, uh, we're looking for people to serve just once a month in that area uh, to keep a healthy rotation. And then also, if you have a child and you would like to have them dedicated on a Sunday morning, uh, the Sunday after Easter, April 24th, we're going to have child dedication. Uh, so make sure you mark that on your connection card. Drop that in the box after service. And uh, we'll get with you about what that is. Uh, we do not, um, uh, our tradition here as Protestants, we don't uh, baptize uh, babies, but we do do, we uh, did it again, did that last week too. All the immature laughed. Okay, you just get it out, snicker. Um, but we do do child dedication, so that's going to be April 24th, so uh, mark your calendars for that. All right, well, let's uh, get into the Word. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read the... Um, I'm going to read the word to you, uh, beginning Genesis 1-1. I'm joking. Uh, we're in Philippians, and uh, we're going to read the whole chapter this morning. How about that? So it's going to be up on the screen uh, for you. 
uh, as long as the wind doesn't take my, my Bible. Here we go. In addition, my brothers and sisters, so let me just stop right there. Um, what we have been talking about over the past couple of weeks, he is wanting to add to it. All right. So he's like, all right, in addition to what we've just been talking about, here's my next thing I want to talk to you about. Rejoice in the Lord. All right. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you. Now, we're going to talk about joy next week, all right, because he, it's, a, it's a theme that keeps coming up in Philippians. So we're going to talk about joy next week because he's, he mentions it again in Philippians 4. Now, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are circumcision, the, one, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, Boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Regarding the law, I'm a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of many things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us all who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join me in imitating me. Brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with many tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is, the, is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Let's pray. God, I pray, as I do every week, that you would just hide me behind your word and your cross. Let me say nothing that you don't want me to say. Let me say everything you want me to say. And uh, let this be conviction to not just the hearts of those hearing, but mine as well. In your name we pray. Amen.
man. Go ahead and have a seat. So, uh, before, before there was this, and everybody had a phone in their pocket. We could send someone to the moon with the technology that's in this phone. We had this thing called MapQuest. I don't know if y'all remember MapQuest. MapQuest was one of those things where you had to know your destination. You, you punched it in. You say where you're starting. And you would print out this stuff called paper. And you would flip through. And it would give you turn-by-turn directions on where you were going. Now everybody has GPS. It used to be you had you buy a Garmin and you would set it up on your dash and you would have GPS via Garmin and you would say where you were going and it would say, make a right turn in 0.5 miles. And then if you missed your turn, it would go recalculating. Yeah, recalculating. And we, all we have to know is the destination in order to get where we're going. But beforehand... Uh, you could know the destination, but you had no idea how to get there. You know, in, in a southern language, it was you can't get there from here, right? Uh, you knew where you were going, but somehow you couldn't figure out how to get there. And the thing with iPhones and Androids and GPS now is as long as you know where you're going, as long as you know the address, you don't even have to know the address. You can just type in the business. You can just type in... Uh, mission barbecue. Amen. 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 And go get you some barbecue. You can type in crumble cookies. And mm-hmm, yes, you can get there real quick. You can type in doco. And yes, and get just get the, hey, by the way, if you get there and they say they have just pulled donuts out of the uh, out of the fryer, get them. I don't care what flavor they are, get them. That is that's good preaching, right? It is. That's very good. But as long as you know the destination, you'll get where you're going. Now, for me, personally, I I had a calling on my life at a young age that I was going to go into the ministry. And knowing this calling, knowing this destination helped me make decisions about where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do. When I was in Texas, I was working at a, a small church, and I was leading worship. And um, great people loved the people, loved the church, uh, but they couldn't, they couldn't pay me. Um, they, I, I got hired on part-time. I was working at a bank full-time, um, and then they hired me on full-time. And then sometimes I'd get a phone call and say, hey, can you wait till next week's offering so that we can pay you? And then they had to put me back on part-time, and then I went back full-time at the bank. And then I got a full-time job counting trees. So I went from counting money to counting trees. I worked for a forester. And my wife and I, during that season, prayed a lot because we were really wrestling with what I was supposed to be doing. And I remember this clearly. My wife said, God did not call you to count trees. So I knew the destination of where I was headed I knew the calling that God had placed on my life. I knew what God wanted me to do, and it helped me make the decisions in that moment. And it's helped me a lot in the past, too, even over the past couple of years. So I want to ask this of you. Have you ever, have you ever felt like you were lost in life? 
Have you ever gotten lost going somewhere? Have you ever felt like that you have arrived at the right destination at the wrong time? Have you ever felt like you've arrived at the wrong destination at the right time? Have you just, in generally, have you felt out of sorts? And I think a lot of this feeling out of sorts and feeling discombobulated comes back to this idea of what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. And one of my favorite quotes is from D.L. Moody. He said, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you to end up at the end of your life a success at something that didn't matter. I want you to end up at the end of your life and feel like that you have succeeded at exactly what God has designed and created you to do. So here's the first point I want you to understand. To succeed at what matters, we have to focus on what matters. To succeed at what matters, we have to focus on what matters. Because what, ha- what can happen is we can pursue the wrong things even though they look right. Look what Philippians 3.7 says. Paul says, But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. He realized that everything that he has gained, all of the, all of the accolades that he had led up to it to that point, that, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day, so check that box. I'm of, a, I'm of the nation of Israel. I've checked that box. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I've checked that box. I'm a Pharisee. I've checked that box. I, I'm persecuting the church. I've checked that box. I am blameless when it comes to the law. I have checked that box. And at the end of it all, he's like, I have been succeeding at the wrong thing the entire time. I have been Attaining something that, in all honesty, I'm looking at and I realize is just rubbish. I realize that it is, what does he say? Oh, yeah, he says it's poop. At the end of the day, everything I have accumulated, all the status symbols that I have accumulated, at the end of the day, I'm chalking it up to dung. But that's something that he doesn't want for us. Because we can pursue the wrong things that look right. We can pursue the wrong things that take place of the right things. Look what he says in Philippians 3.8. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of surpassing the value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them, there's our word, of the day, dung, so that I may gain Christ. So everything that he has just set up as pursuing the wrong thing, he now, one of my favorite words, juxtaposes it. It means he puts it in opposition of. So he's got everything that I have done here that it looks good on paper, but it is not the right thing. And I'm going to compare it to what the right thing is. You see what he's doing here? He is... He's doing what they asked us to do in English class, which I always hated. I want you to compare and to contrast, which I don't understand what the difference is. Can we just say, can you compare? I want you to compare these two paragraphs. Okay, I can do that. I want you to compare and contrast. Well, what's the difference? But anyway, 
I digress. He is comparing. Sorry. He is comparing everything that he has done right for the wrong reasons with the thing that he should have been doing the whole time, which is pursuing the person of Jesus Christ. So when you look at your life and you think, I have achieved this, I have achieved this, I have achieved this, you need to compare it always with the person of Jesus Christ. Has he been your main pursuit? All of these things, a lot of these things aren't bad. A lot of the things that we pursue, what does Paul say? He says, everything's permissible for me, not everything is profitable. Because there's some things that we can do that there aren't bad, but because they take up our bandwidth, because we have little tiny pee on minds, I don't know if you ever feel like that sometimes, like I can't hold one more piece of information at the same time in my mind. That's called mental bandwidth. Because we have such a limited amount of bandwidth, we can pursue things that look okay, but at the end, when we get to the end of our life, we realize that they have taken the place of the thing that we should have been pursuing the whole time, which is Jesus. What does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's our main pursuit. So to succeed at what matters, we have to focus on what matters, and what matters is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that sounds like it sounds such a church cliche thing, but we have to figure that out. We can't let it go in one ear and out the other without trying to figure out what that means. If we're supposed to pursue Jesus, let us pursue Jesus by how he lived, by, by how, he, how he sacrificed, by how he loved, that we need to seek that kingdom and its righteousness. Number two, humility is the ingredient to adjustment. Humility is the ingredient to adjustment. Why? Because without humility, you will never hit your goal. Why is that? Because you will keep going the wrong direction. Because you will not admit that you're wrong. Look what, look what Paul says. He says Philippians 3, 10 through 13. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming, I love this. This doesn't mean that he doubts that he will. He is actually speaking from a place of humility, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. So here's Paul, wrote most of the New Testament, and he is writing to this church and saying it in such a way that he's like, man, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I know this is hard. But what Paul models for us is it takes humility, it takes self-awareness. And I want you to get this. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about pursuit. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about pursuit because he follows it up with this. Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. So here's Paul. I mean, a pillar of the faith. Paul 
wrote most of the New Testament. Paul saw Jesus himself on the road, was blinded, bright, shining, bright light. Jesus speaking to him, why do you persecute me, Paul? That Paul is saying, I'm not, I'm not there yet, guys. But it doesn't mean I'm going to give up. I'm going to take every opportunity to pursue this life. Christianity is not about perfection. It is about pursuit. It is about when you fall off the horse, you get back on. It is about when you fail, you pick yourself back up. It is about surrounding yourself with people that will do that for you. Which we read, uh, did we read that yesterday or today in, in Galatians? Where he talks about your responsibility is to restore the brother that has fallen. That it, he, he says, Paul says, gently restore them. That's a responsibility of ours. Pick you back up. Let's put you back where you belong. Let's get you back in place. Let's dust you off. Let's clean you up. All right, number three. We have to let go of the past to take hold of the future. And I want to sit here for a while because I believe that as a church, not a linear church, but yes, but I'm saying as a big C church, as, a, as individual believers, individual people that follow Jesus, this is the thing that trips us up, I think, more than anything else is we hold on to the past so much, so long. We waller in it. We roll around in it. We, we wash our hair in it. We, we bathe in it. We bring it up. It's the topic of conversation. I know because I've been there. But look what he says in Philippians 3.13. But one thing I do forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. That's what, that's what makes a good athlete a good athlete is they forget real quickly their failures. They forget real quickly how they missed the shot. They forget real quickly how they, how they hooked it on the 18th. They forget real quickly because they know that the next shot's coming up. But you've got to go deeper with this because I think the mo- this, is, this would be a powerful statement if I wrote it. It would be a powerful statement if you wrote it, but Paul wrote it. And I don't know if you remember, Paul was not always Paul. Paul used to be called Saul. In fact, let me go back here. This is not up on the screen. This is free this morning. Like free. Free, free, free. Acts 7, 54, the first Christian martyr. When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together they rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. After that, he died. Saul agreed with putting him to death. On, the day of a severe, on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them into prison. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I reach toward what is ahead. Here you have Paul who could, he has every excuse to wallow in the mess that he made. Every excuse to bring up the failure that he made. Every excuse to to discount himself. Man, I stood there and I did nothing. I let them stone that poor kid. I, I held their coats. I was dragging people out of the church and, and bringing them before the Sanhedrin. Every excuse. And he says, but one thing I do, I got to forget. And the thing is, is he had a change. This is one of my um, one of my points. If I'm having to do, uh, if I'm having to argue with someone about the faith, like the Christian faith, like why do I believe the Christian faith is real? I have to go back to this person of Paul, and I can't do anything with Paul. I, I can't I can't look at Paul and go, yeah, the Christian faith doesn't exist because Paul, who was a zealot who was dragging people out of the homes, who was persecuting the church, who approved of Stephen being stoned, had a moment in his life where he was radically changed. Not by what, something, not by what someone told him, but by, but by what he saw. And Paul has this, this moment of, God can do this to you, can he? He can, he can call down and go, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We don't want those. We, we think, man, we'd love to have that moment. No, you wouldn't. We'd all pee our pants. Because God has a way of getting a hold of our attention. And he got a hold of Saul's attention. And he's like, hey, I need you to make a life change. I need you to find some, find some humility and have a life change. And here's the deal. Your inability to admit you're wrong will always sabotage your future. Your inability to admit you're wrong will always sabotage your future. It's this idea. It's called psychological rigidity. It means I have staked claim on a truth, and I'm not budging off of it because if I budge off of it, it means I have to admit I was wrong. And by God, I'm not admitting I was wrong. She was wrong. I was right. She's the one who told me that I was going to. And then, you know, you have marriage fights. I'm right. She's wrong. Psychological rigidity. If you ever want to know. You're being psychologically rigid. <laughs> Try that next time you're having a tiff. 
I don't think that'll work very well. <laughs> it's because we don't want to admit we're wrong. And the thing is, is uh, I read an article about this, that, um, that we have what's called an epidemic of infallibility. Well, I'm a good person. I couldn't possibly be wrong. I, I'm a good person. I couldn't have possibly have picked the wrong side. I'm a good person. I couldn't have possibly... It wouldn't be me. That's my kid. My kid would never do that. Deal Moody, uh, he's the guy we quoted at the beginning. He says this, and I, I love this quote. He says, you've got to get people lost to get them saved. And it's more difficult than it may seem because we don't like to admit that we're wrong. And that's the thing that's so tough about Christianity is I am up here telling people that if you want to pursue this person of Jesus Christ, you have to repent. And repentance means you're turning from your ways. What you're saying is, I was wrong. This whole time, I don't care if you're 15 years old. For 15 years, I have been wrong. I don't care if you're 20 years old. I don't care if you're 50 years old. I don't care if someone comes in here and they're 75 years old. The gospel does not change. If you are not in Christ, that means for 75 years, you have been wrong. That is what repentance means. It means turning from your worldview to God's worldview. The thing is, is because we don't admit we're wrong, we just keep doing the same thing, think we're going to get different results. And the thing is, we have to understand is if we want to experience something different, we have to do some different things. But... Also under this point, your failures will always try to overshadow your future. You have failed in your life. Newsflash. But what are the stories you're telling yourself because of that failure? What are your storylines that you tell yourself about who you are and the type of person you are and the type of character that you have? What is the story that you're telling yourself? Are you, are you telling yourself that you're not good enough? Are you telling yourself that you've sinned too much? Are you telling yourself that you're not worthy? Are you telling yourself that you'll never be a good enough father? Are you telling yourself you'll never be a good enough mother? Are you telling yourself you'll never have a healthy marriage? Are you telling yourself you'll never be financially free? Are you telling yourself that you're so inexperienced with the Christian faith that you'll never understand the Bible? You have to not just turn from your ways and turn to God, you have to start telling yourself different stories. Stories that are full of truth. Stories that are full of grace. Stories that are full of love. You've got to tell yourself stories that are from the Bible. Like, uh, how's this one? You are loved. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. 
You are chosen, 1 Peter 2.9. You are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You were God's handiwork, Ephesians 2.10. You were forgiven, Colossians 3.13. You were redeemed, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You were adopted, 1 John 3.1. You are members of his household, Ephesians 2.19. Those are the truths that you need to be telling yourself because you've got some convincing to do. And you need to convince yourself that these things are true in your life because I promise you if the Bible says them, they are true in your life. And let me tell you this. Failure, you have failed. I promise you failed. If you've not failed, then I don't know, I don't know how to help you. In fact, if you're doing our Bible reading plan, um, we just read John, I think, 10 today. In John 9 yesterday, you can go to lineachurch.org forward slash Bible and you can be reading along throughout the entire year. Just pick up today. You don't have to, don't have to go from the beginning. Just pick up today. You can hit play. You can hit play on the website or on your phone and it will read it to you. And don't think that that's a shortcut. Don't think that, oh, i got to read it for it to be real. You can listen to it. Do you know that the Bible was first a heard document before it was a read document? Give yourself a break. Use Audible. Listen to the Bible. It'd be good for you. Where was I at? What was I talking about? Oh, John 9 and 10. The Pharisees are condemning Jesus for healing a blind man on the Sabbath. And they're asking the blind man. I love this. They're asking the blind man. They're like, what do you think about this guy? Who do you think he is? He goes, I don't know. I know once I was blind and now I see. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I know that I was blind now I can see. And then he start, Jesus starts addressing, addressing the Pharisees. And he tells the Pharisees, he goes, listen, if you can't admit that you're blind, I don't know what to do, do for you. You got to get to the point where you realize that you're blind. You got to come to the point where you realize that you're lost. You got to come to the point where you realize what I'm doing is not working. But let me say this. Failure is an event. It is not an identity. You have failed. You are not a failure. Get that out of your minds. You are not a failure. Michael Jordan, who is the greatest basketball player of all time. Don't, come, don't at me with all your other... Don't. Don't do it. Mm-mm. Three in a row, took a break. Three in a row. All right, where are we at? Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan talks about failing. There's a commercial, a Nike commercial, and this is in, it's in his career, so it's actually the numbers are exaggerated now that he's retired. But he said, I have made 9,000 shots that I have missed. He said, I have had... 300 games where I was trusted with making the game-winning shot, and I missed it. No, 26 times. He said, I've lost 300 games. I've lost 300 games. 26 times I was trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed it. He said, I have failed over and over in life, and that is why I succeeded. you got to leverage your failures. Don't look at your past mistakes as chains. Don't look at your past mistakes as baggage. Look at them as weapons. Look at them as ammo. 
Look at them as testimonies. Look at them as pillars of, of remembrance. Look at them as, look, God rescued me from that. Paul says, I'm forgetting all that. It doesn't weigh me down anymore because I'm set free from that. I'm pressing forward. I'm taking hold of the one thing I know to take hold of, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Don't let your past weigh you down. And this is how you can know that if this is you. Do you avoid commitment? Do you avoid intimacy? Do you avoid relationships? Do you avoid being loved? Then maybe, just maybe, you're still wallowing in your past mistakes and your past failures. And God wants to set you free from that. And we, we preached on this uh, earlier in the year about what God's design is for us, that he wants, to, he wants, just like the Israelites, he took the Israelites out of Egypt, but then he wanted to get the Egypt out of the Israelites. That God not only wants to save you, he wants to deliver you. He wants to get all that junk out of you because it is hampering your ability to be all that God has you to be. So to take hold of what God has, for, has in store for us, listen to this. You've got to forgive yourself, and you've got to forgive others. To take hold of what God has in store for us, you've got to forgive yourself, and you've got to forgive others. And you've got to keep your eyes locked on the target of what you are pursuing. That stuff behind you is behind you. Paul said, I am forgetting that stuff. In another passage, he says, I run the race. I'm, I'm, I'm shedding everything that so easily trips me up. I'm getting rid of it. And the thing is, is letting go you know the old cliche? I hate cliches. Sometimes they're really good, though. You got to let go and let God. You got to let go and let God. You know what he says in the last verse of, of, of our text here? He says, it is mature. Listen to this. It is not lazy. It is not an excuse, it is not sweeping things under the rug. It is not not dealing with something. He says, it is mature. Let all of us who are mature think this way. Think what way? That we haven't all figured it out. That we have pursued the wrong things. We have pursued the wrong way. We have pursued things that look like they were the right thing. We've pursued church attendance. We've pursued group attendance. We have tithed. We have, um, what's some other good things? We've done outreach. We've served. I mean, Kids Point, or Alenia Kids, like three times a month, and I've done all that, and I've, I've checked all my boxes. 
checked all my boxes. I've done everything pastors asked me to do. Check, 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 check. And they are good things, but if you're not pursuing them for the right reasons, they're the wrong things. Because the person of Jesus Christ is who we are to be pursuing. And that's what I want for you. I want for you to have everybody. If you haven't, today's the day. If you have and you've forgotten, today's the day. I want everybody to have a moment where they go, oh, oh face palms are the best. You know why face palms are the best? It's because the light bulb pops up like the little cartoon. Light bulb goes off above your head. Boom! It wasn't me the whole time. It was Jesus. Just bow our heads and close our eyes. Two questions I want to ask. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? And if you've, never, if you've never made the decision to pursue Christ, it's not a magic prayer. It's not the right word said in the right order. It is a posture and a position of your heart that, God, I, I, I can't. I won't, I no longer can do this myself. I'm inadequate. I cannot, re- I cannot have a relationship with you without the person of Jesus Christ. And when you realize that and you start pursuing the person of Jesus Christ, that's when you cross over from death to life. I believe that there is a real hell and I believe that there is a real heaven. And I believe that one of our primary purposes as a church is to not only glorify God, but to bring as many people as we can with us. If you have never pursued Christ as your Savior, you've never made that decision, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? I want to just ask everybody... We do this every week that you would just pray this prayer with me and pray it out loud for the sake of those who are praying it for the first time if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Just a sample prayer that you can pray to put your heart right with him. Say, Dear Jesus, I am lost and I need you. Come and make me new. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. Thank you for tuning in today. If you prayed to receive Christ at the end of that message, would you let us know? We would love to put a free gift in your hand and some resources to help you on this new journey with Jesus. Just go to aleniachurch.org forward slash connect and fill out the short form. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alinea Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Our prayer is that we are able to begin video recording these messages in the 2022 year, and your giving will help make that possible. 
please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. Last but not least, if you live in the Murfreesboro area, please come by and visit. We meet at Oakland Middle School at 10 a.m. We are a church family that will welcome you with open arms. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless. God bless.